Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Hey everybody and welcome in to the Graham Lincoln McLean podcast. It is time, as you can tell by Mac's shirt, and I think Mac's mom just walked She's in the ready. background. Let's that was hilarious. Go. I love that. <laughs> Mac is currently at the um, elder McLean's homestead handling some family business. You're gonna see her again. Here you go. Here she is she coming back. That was that was so funny. Oh hey, Mama Mac! She's back. <laughs> Star of the show. Star of the show. That is so funny. She just walked by. I was like, hello. <laughs> anyway. I'm actually in her office, so it's my own fault. She has to go to work, so it's yeah. uh, it's my fault here. Your mom is like, hello, can I please get some work just done? Work peace. Just work in peace. Jeez, Mac. Well, we are going to be working today talking about NC State, and this is our ACC Under Review Episode 5, Episode 256 overall. And this was a very interesting episode, Mac. We talked with Jeff Gravely, who was really great. But there's so much that's changed with NC State. So we were recapping the season, but we were also looking ahead a bit, too. Yeah, it, it was a little bit different, you know, for this episode. Number one, because we started with defense. I mean, what are we thinking? It's great. I felt it felt it really weird. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, you're right. It is about time. Uh, but also, yeah, just the the not uncertainty, maybe there is a little uncertainty, but just the changes. And so this, you know, episode's a little bit unique in the fact that we did do some forward facing and did kind of think, okay, what's the future going to hold? You know, the point of these whole things are we're reviewing, we're talking about what happened, celebrating that, but there's, there's a lot of changes, you know, that are happening at NC state this coming year. And so we had to jump in it and our guy, Jeff Gravely was awesome. Uh, funny enough, he he actually uh, covered me back in the day when I was in high school. He kind of mentions that a little bit. Can't remember if that was on air, or off air, actually. Um, but he, he's a great oh, guy. Has done. I'm going to awesome leave it things. in. I there think I left it in because he talks about you being a hooper, which I'm very what I aware of. That's what I do, but I don't think Jeff understands that you aren't <laughs> as willing to rebound as a guy of your size should be, Eric McLean. You know, I, I rebound. I just do it from the three point line in. Like I come in to get the rebound. You know, I'm not just sitting there boxing guys out. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm attacking it. Um, but anyway, sure, KG, sure. before we get to our awesome interviewee here, awesome NC State episode, let me tell you guys about Rock'em Socks. We are doing some awesome giveaways with our partner. They have over ten thousand unique different designs a lot of those have to do with the college realm they have every acc school have so many different things so nc state fans if you're listening if you're watching right now go over to twitter as well get you some free socks these designs are really really cool i'll give a little kind of behind the curtain i don't know if you'll get mad at me for doing this our guy that we work with at rock'em socks He's an NC State guy. So he's going to put a little love into these socks that we'll be sending out uh, for a couple of lucky winners there. But love these socks. I mean, they, they wear them all the time. Not only do we have our own, which are very cool, uh, they have the, the Marvels, as KG likes to the say. Marvels. Every Marvel character you can ever think of. All the pro teams, a lot of cool things uh, in, in culture as well. Some national championship socks. Uh, and like I said, some, some socks for us. So we've got it all laid out there, KG. We do. And you can enter to win. Go to uh, Twitter at Eric McLean and enter to win for your team or, you know, just enter to win all of them. If you're just a fan of every ACC school, all you have to do is retweet the giveaway tweet for that specific school. And then if you don't win, first of all, we're sorry. But second of all, <laughs> you can go to rock'emsocks.com and use our promo code GML20. That's GML, the number 20, for 20% off your first purchase. So that means everybody gets to be a winner, Mac. GML20 at rock'emsocks.com. 
You know, I think it's very fitting for us in this society. Everybody's winning. You all win. You all win. We're giving it to everybody. So <laughs> anyway, let's get to our episode. Jeff was awesome. Really appreciate him. 34 years in this business, covering a lot of different teams. Now he's home at NC State full time. This was a lot of fun. Let's get to it. Jeff, welcome into the show, my man. Super excited to have you today to talk all things about the Wolfpack. And I don't want to start negative, but I feel like we kind of just have to because there was so much expectation for this team. And and I mean, dark horse playoff team is kind of what a lot of us were thinking. And there's still, you know, things to be very proud of. The the way this team handled certain things, adversity, all that, we're going to jump into all of it. But the Pack go eight and five, lose three of the last four, but... Get that massive victory over their rival in UNC. Just overall thoughts for the entire season. Yeah, I think, did it meet expectations? No. But I think there are definitely explanations as to why. Mm. I think you had injuries pop up, uh, losing some key players at some key moments. But, yeah, you know, even the players, when they came back, that's why they wanted to run it back another year before last year was, you know, the success that they had last year, they felt like they could build upon that. And, it, you know, it's a, it's a natural uh, reaction. It's a natural preseason ranking when you bring back so many players, including the guy who was voted uh, preseason ACC Player of the Year and Devin Leary. Um, so I, I understand why the expectations were there. And the coaching staff and the players had them as well. And at the end of the year, yeah, there were some proud moments, but you're right. I think each and every one of them understand that they did not meet the expectations that they had of themselves as far as a one-loss record, as far as getting a chance to play for an ACC championship, which hasn't been accomplished around here since 1979. So, yeah, they felt like they had the pieces there to do it. But also, too, and you guys know because you follow the game so well, is there are reasons why some of the things happen the way they happen. That's a great way to put it, Jeff. I think, you know, you can't – this is a weird year for NC State where you can't just say, oh – they underachieved and then just put a period at the end of that sentence. I think you have to add a lot more onto that. And we'll talk about a lot of these injuries in the quarterback situation. But Mac and I are notorious for starting interviews with offense. And we are trying to turn over a new leaf. So we're going to start with some defense here. Um, Mac obviously played offense and not defense. I played basketball and still didn't play defense. So here we are. But just in general, this defense – so special in so many ways. All these guys that gave so much to NC State, they gave five years, six years. What will you remember about some of these, you know, these linebackers, Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas and all these guys? What will you remember about the legacy these defensive guys left? Well, we've kind of chewed the fat around here a few times and even asked Coach Gibson and Coach Dorn, is this the best linebacking core NC mm. State has ever had? And they've had some dogs at linebacker now. They've had some really good linebackers, but in the recent era, I think you have to consider that Drake Thomas, Peyton Wilson, and Isaiah Moore are among the elite linebacking cores that NC State has ever had here. And I think you look at the fact, and this is one of the beautiful things about this season, I thought, is the fact that for most of the year, those three guys got to play together, when last year they did not. And I just thought it was a wonderful thing to see number one, number 11, and number 32 go out there and battle each and every game. Uh, Peyton missed a few games, missed the second game, Uh, and another one at Louisville. But, you know, I think that was a wonderful thing to see those three guys compete and the genuine love and care they have for each other and the respect that they garner from their teammates and from their coaches. Look, Tony Gibson uh, said Isaiah Moore is the best leader he has ever coached. 
And this is a coach that's been around for 28 years and seen some really, really good football players. And from a leadership standpoint, it wasn't just what they did on the field. It was in the, on the campus. And, you know, Isaiah did so many things with PAC United with social unrest. And I think that's where you see the development of a person. And those three definitely were. And, hey, one of the surprises, I think, of the offseason is Peyton Wilson's coming back. <laughs> Eleven right. wants to run down some more quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm jacked up for it, man. And, and just and the, the, the fact that we do get him uh, for one more season in the ACC is very exciting. It's going to be his show, uh, his team, his defense. Um, a lot of those guys leaving that you just mentioned, Tanner Ingle gone, Baker Williams gone, a lot of those guys in the secondary as well. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what he's able to do kind of in his final year. Coach Doran, man, it seems like every time that we speak to him, just all the love that he has for those three linebackers, the guys, and, and what it just means to him to, to be able to coach them, the privilege it is to coach them and be around them and see their leadership style, but also the way that they play on the field. One guy in particular that just – Elevated, And I think last year it was because of injuries to Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson, and that's Drake Thomas. He was forced into a vocal role. He was forced into a playmaker role where he's got to do it all. But in 22, he took it to another level. It was really fun to watch that. It was, and I think you hit on a great point, Emac. He had to come out of his shell from a personality standpoint, from a communication standpoint. And that all happened last year when you lost Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson. And there's Drake Thomas, the senior guy, so to speak, in the locker room. And he really took his leadership to a new level. And you saw that again this year. I think it was spectacular the year he had, over 100 tackles. He was in the backfield all the time. But the dude didn't get first team all conference. Look, hold I don't know. Let's time out still, about that because I, he was my, my number head. one linebacker. What yes. was everybody else looking at? He got more yes. votes for defensive player of the year than yes. I think he was second. How is he not first? It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You anyway, know, go ahead, please. I'm that, sorry. That that's just the the warts and all of the voting system, or right. or some people just must not been watching right. football because even <laughs> opposing coaches, you know, uh, when uh, State played Louisville, Scott Satterfield went up to Dave and said, "Man, you guys have the defensive player of the year in Drake Thomas. He is a beast to try to prepare for because he was so disruptive and." You know, what a great football family he comes from. It's We're going to lose both of the Thomas brothers and Thayer and Drake, but they get another one coming in, incoming quarterback, Lex. So the Thomas lineage continues here at NC State. It, I, I hope there's more. You know, we'll see. Right. I, I'm, I'm, right. I feel like that maybe that's the last brother, but maybe some cousins or something like that. <laughs> maybe so, but I do believe that is it. That is definitely the household is empty. <laughs> as far as the Thomases in uh, North Raleigh. <laughs> okay, good to know. Well, okay, you brought up Thayer Thomas, and let's talk about just the offense and the quarterback situation here. To ask a question, Jeff, like, have you ever seen anything like this? Well, no, because no one has ever seen this. Eight wins with four different starting quarterbacks. Just unbelievable. What When you look back on this season, I think that's the first thing people will probably think of, but how was State able to do that with four different guys? Crazy, and, and, and four different type of quarterbacks. Yes. Um, I think if you were going to look at Leary and Finley, they were somewhat similar, mm -hmm. really good throwers of the football. I think MJ Morris showed he can throw the football, gives it a little threat with the legs. Jack, uh, Jack Chambers struggled a little bit throwing, but we saw what he could do as well with his legs. So each one had his own unique story. But, you know, it's kind of crazy. You look at it and you think Devin Leary was the guy that started the season and he gets injured. I think one of his best drives was his last drive mm. against Florida State. 
when he goes down the field in the third quarter. Boom, 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 boom. Hits Daryl Jones in the end zone. He just let it loose, turned it loose. And I think that was one of the things. Maybe he played with the weight of expectations, and I don't know if he didn't handle it well or not or if he just tried to overthink some things, but he wasn't the same guy as he was last year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But for him to have to finish his college career injured and then you go to a bowl and he's not even on the roster, he's already at Kentucky, that's just mind-blowing. That is just mind-blowing. So then you go to Jack Chambers who comes in and subs in and gets a win. And then all of a sudden they decide, well, you know, I think MJ gives us a better chance to win. And then he comes and get a win. But nothing is more unique than the story of Ben Finley. (laughs) I mean, look, the week they played Wake Forest, the dude's running that mesh offense for the scout team. And then he comes in and plays well against Louisville. And then, you know, he'll always be – you know, one of the great legends of NC State football just by what he did at North Carolina. (laughs) Yes, right. Going there and beating the Tar Heels the day after Thanksgiving on a great afternoon for him. So, yeah, all four had a very, very interesting year. All four contributed to wins. And now the transfer portal has brought in another quarterback. Yes, we're going to get to that. But I want to ask just about Devin Leary how surprised were you? I, I know heading into the year, he's the ACC preseason player of the year. We thought he was going to have a great year and probably go on to the league. He gets hurt, things change. But how surprised were you that he transferred? Well, these days you have three options when you're in that position. You can come back, you can go to the NFL, or now you can transfer. And I think, I think he felt like he needed another year of college to really put on tape, so to speak. Like, when is he going to be able to throw again? He wasn't going to be able to throw at the combine. He wasn't probably going to throw effectively at a pro day. Do you put yourself out there injured in front of scouts, and does that hurt you even more? So I think he needed another year of college football. I was a little surprised that it wasn't here. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that um, NIL could have played a role because he told some people around here that even if he were drafted in the 6th, 7th, 8th, or ninth round, he probably could make more money in NIL playing college football than he could as a draft pick in the sixth, seventh, or eighth round. So I think he evaluated it all, and he felt like, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else, get a fresh start, and see what I can do. You know, it's, it, it, not to get off on another school, but it's like Sam Hartman. Yes. He needed to prove that he could run a pro-style offense. You're not going to see the mesh in the NFL. So I think it's part of their development, development for their long-term plan of playing in the NFL, and Devin felt like, at another place would give him a better opportunity because, look, there are a lot of receivers gone from here uh, coming back next year. Who's he going to throw to? Mm -hmm. I think that's a question mark, too. You look at the roster coming back. You look at what you feel like is best for you. And then, again, NIL plays a part in it. I think certainly the the guys leaving, I mean, guys that you came in with, guys that you've been a part of for so long leaving, your offensive coordinator leaving, now you're learning a whole new system. And if you're doing all of that – why not just go start somewhere else? Why not just do the blank page? There's no expectation, all these different things. I th- I'm with you. I think all of that played a part. So looking at this quarterback situation, as you mentioned, transfer portal, I, I was shocked. I didn't think that there was any shot that this happened. I know a nice there, but to get Brendan Armstrong, I mean, that, that it's incredible there. So h- how did NC State get this done? I think when they hired Robert Anai, it became a thing, a possibility that Brendan Armstrong could rejoin Robert Anai. I think the year he had two years ago with Anai as his yeah. offensive coordinator at Virginia was fantastic. Did not have the same year without Anai. All of a sudden, he goes to Syracuse, and Garrett Schrader has a really good year throwing the football and 
Hey, coincidence? <laughs> Maybe not. I think a lot of it is the offense in which Robert and I will bring here. I had a chance to interview him right before Christmas, and I knew he wasn't going to answer the question, but I had to ask it anyway. Hey, Coach, how different will the offense be uh, that you'll have on the field next year as opposed to what NC State ran? He goes, oh, as fun. Football is football, you know, <laughs> once the ball is snapped. Now, he did say, we will have very unique terminology, very unique formations, very unique motions. He puts people in position to succeed against yes. matchups. Yes. And already in an offensive meeting this year or this past week or last week, he showed them how he schemed Syracuse as a Rondé Gadsden mm -hmm. against NC State's defense to succeed. And they saw that and they were like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So that's what Coach and I will try to bring is matchup problems for right. the defense and create situations there. So I'm anxious to see what he's able to do. And I think it was a great situation for him to be able to tap on the shoulder of Garrett Touje, the offensive line yeah. coach that had been with him at BYU in Virginia, to join him here. But it was odd, guys, to last week bump into – uh, Brennan Armstrong in the lobby of the Murphy Center. I'm in like Wolfpack gear. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, "Wow, this is this is the state of college athletics right. now." It, um, and even one of the offensive linemen said, "You know, he kind of looks a little bit like Leary. He's got the scruffy beard. He's got a tattoo. <laughs> he's kind of built that way." I was like, "Well, you're kind of right, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out." I mean, I don't think if you're a quarterback or a or a transfer with one year left in your college career. Do you yeah. come run a scout team? No. Sure. No, no, you don't. And that's a great point. So how does that affect MJ? I mean, that that to me was the future. And I even thought that when MJ was having that success, I was like, well, Devin might leave. Like Devin, he, he's either going to the league or he's going to transfer because he maybe feels like he has to get out of the way. Now right. NC State comes and brings in somebody else. And as you just said, he's not sitting the bench. He's not waiting. So how will that affect him and – I don't know, just maybe what's, what's the process there? Are you just thinking that Brennan's that good of a guy that we, we take that risk for one season? Well, he already knows the terminology. He already knows kind of the offense that Robert and I is going to run. Mm -hmm. How quickly will MJ Morris be able to pick that up? Yeah. I think that will play a huge role into who's yeah. going to start at quarterback. Sure. Um, but, yeah, MJ, I mean, what he was able to do and uh, as, a, as a true freshman, I thought it was pretty amazing. He had the skills. And the other part of MJ's development was he wasn't here as an early enrollee. He came in, boom, in June and started his college football career. So right. he had a short window to learn everything. And one of the things that Tim Beck told us was is he is a very quick learner. You only have to tell him something one time, and right. maybe he will pick up this new terminology, this modified offense that Robert and I will bring here. But he, too, I'm sure is thinking, you know what, I'm going to be the starter at NC State next year. But again, I think he's also one of those guys that feels like, you know what, I got to go earn it. And I think sure. all players should feel that way because you, you have really no right from year to year. You got to go earn it. And I think Brennan Armstrong will feel that way. I think MJ Morris will feel that way. I, I totally Finley. agree. Ben yeah. Finley. Right, ben right. another option. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally agree. And KG, I think when I just look at it, I, I, knowing, not knowing, having met his family, having met MJ, mm -hmm. to me it feels like he will have that understanding. Like, if I just can wait and I can learn and I can have this year, if that's what it is, or if Brennan gets hurt, be ready, whatever, if you just beat him out. But to have the patience, I think, will be important to them and understanding, okay, when it is my time, if I do not beat him out, KG, I'm going to be ready right now to go. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see that process. It will. 
but he's also 18, 19 years old and he sees yes. on social media, New different world. people leaving yeah. and you yeah. can play right away. Oh, and don't think folks aren't right. on the phone calling MJ Morris, right? Exactly. Right away. That's the other as part of this equation too. As soon as it happened. Yeah. Hey, you want to come and start mm -hmm. right. at so-and-so? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the other part of it's it. It's going to be fast. I think seeing how spring goes, I know Jeff, you'll, you'll be around the team a lot and you'll see kind of what's going on. The, there's another portal window after the spring. So it, it could be a situation where perhaps he sees how the spring goes and, and he moves on. I hope not, because I think to your point, Mac, right. the idea of learning behind Brennan Armstrong and learning this whole new system, and then you've got multiple years after that Two to years, go and be yeah. the guy. Yeah. That could be really interesting. But just in general, Jeff, I know Coach and I was a little vague with you when you were talking with him. But with what we've seen at Virginia and at Syracuse, what, what do we? What can we expect from this new look offense at NC State? Well, I think you know something we touched on earlier is being able to put guys, your best guys, in unique situations to create mismatches on the defense, putting them in space where other people are not. And it sounds pretty simple, but there's a way to do it. He uses motion a lot. He uses movement a lot. And I think one thing that I know NC State fans and the coaching staff feel they have to do is run the football better. So ever how you want to do that, figure it out. Between Coach and I and Coach 2J, you got to be able to figure that out. So I think that will be a priority moving in is finding some way to get the running game better than it was this year. I mean, look, there were eight rushing touchdowns this year. Three by Devin Leary, three by Demi Sumo Karnbe, one by Jack Chambers, and one by MJ wow. Marsh. Your number one running back did not have a rushing touchdown, and, and then that hurts. Yeah. You know, I think it's a situation where defenses just say, okay, beat me with your running game if you think you can, because I don't think you can. And you saw a lot of two deep safeties. You saw priority was to stop the pass. And NC State, particularly in the bowl game, was not able to do successfully on the ground. And that really hurt in the in the red zone. I think that really hurt them offensively down in the red zone. So ever how he wants to figure it out or whatever he wants to do, you have to figure out a way to get a better running game. And I do believe that had Demi Sumo Karambe not been hurt, I think he was progressing to become the number one back. Absolutely. Physicality. He's got good speed, good vision, good hands. And, boy, it was a big loss when they lost him. Yes. And losing Grant Gibson, your center, too. Right certainly hurt your run game as well. Right. And, and you know, I, I can promise everyone watching or listening, I did not send Jeff the script. That was my very next question about that run game. Um, and, and that's just how – that's a natural glaring point of this offense. Really, the last two seasons, both yeah. regular seasons, under 1,500 yards rushing. And, and you mentioned the injury. I certainly think that's a big part of it. But also just committing and sticking to the run. I mean, th we've seen coordinators, and not that – it's necessarily a, a, a bad thing, but it kind of is. But they get afraid. If a run fails, a counter fails, well, we're not running that again. We're, we're not doing that. We're just going to throw it. We're just going to do this and that. So in, in your opinion, number one, is it going to be sumo? Is, does he just have to step up, be the guy, stay healthy? And number two, do, do you see that commitment happening from a guy who we just saw at Virginia two years ago throw for you know, 1,500, 4,500 yards and not really run the ball? So – I've got to think that Coach Doran and his mindset of, you know, trench warfare is going to say, hey, we got to get this going because the last two years it just hasn't been there. Yeah, you know, Coach Doran says he doesn't necessarily look at the yards that they gain per game. He looks at yards per rush, and he wants them at 
over four yards per yes. carry. Yes. And this year as a team, they averaged 3.3 yards per carry. That's just not good enough to succeed at, at the Power 5 level. And I do think it will be a concerted effort to make that happen. You know, uh, through the injury to Demi Sumo Karimbe, we saw a guy, a true freshman, Michael Allen, come in and start to play well. He runs with a physicality. You know, I think he's a guy that certainly could be in the mix. Uh, you know, Jordan Houston will still be in the mix. He's a different kind of guy. He's a different kind of running back. But I think Demi brings what you like in a running back as far as the ability yeah. to run between the tackles. He can take it outside, and he's a really good receiver. Houston is a great receiver too, but I think as far as from the physical physicality of running the football, Demi gives you a better chance. And, again, Michael Allen was a guy that came on at the end of the year, and we saw him play there like – um, we're not worried about red shirts. No, <laughs> right. You don't know. You're going to play yeah. because we need you now. Right. And I just think it's a situation where we'll see how it all unfolds from the run game. But I would expect to see number zero uh, lining up as the first running back uh, as long as he's here. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I'm going to take kind of two points that you've made here, kind of you know, throughout. And you mentioned those guys, their skill sets. You also mentioned Coach and I is going to put you in successful places. He's going to find a way to get you in the right spot. And we saw that with Sean Tucker this year at Syracuse. They put him all over the field. They've made him a receiver, a runner, a pass, all these different things. I think that's what we see from this, you know, NC State offense. I think we take the skill set that those young men have. And let's exploit it. Let's find matchups, KG. Let's get it going in the right direction. Well, and the other big question is who's going to emerge at wide receiver without Thayer Thomas and, of course, with Devin Carter entering the portal. So give us some names, Jeff. I mean, I know it's January 16th, <laughs> so good luck. And there could still be some other portal things. But who, who do we think is going to emerge there? No, you're right. Three or four top receivers are gone, led by Thayer Thomas. And, uh, you know, Daryl Jones played the role well, the transfer from Maryland, and then uh, Devin Carter is out. The guys I think they really thought could have breakout years and did show some some flashes of what they can do are Julian Gray. Um, I think he's a guy that can make some plays. He, uh, he, Coach uh, Ruffin McNeil jokes around. It's, they, they call him strike up the band because anytime <laughs> he touches the ball, get ready. The, the band could be going. I think, you know, Porter Rooks, you're still looking for a complete season from him. The kid out of Charlotte, I think, is another guy. Um, you know, but I think Julian Gray is a guy that we have seen some wonderful things from, particularly last year when they had some in, during the spring. I'm telling you, man, that guy was pretty special to watch. And another guy I think is going to be interesting to watch coming back is Trent Penix yes. playing the, the hybrid position. Uh, you know, again, how does Coach and I use that? Does Rondé he want a more traditional guy. tight yeah. end yeah. or does he want, a, a, you know, kind of a – an, an H back, so to speak. Penix had, had the ability to catch football and was fantastic in the red zone, but obviously he was hurt. So uh, Keon Lassane is another name that we've heard a lot about and we've seen some spark from. And I think those between Lassane and Gray and Rooks, I think those are the three guys that need to take that next step to assume a bigger role in an offense that has had, you know, Emeka Mezzi here for a long time, Devin Carter here for a long time, uh, Thayer Thomas here for a long time. So now it's their time to step up and be productive in the passing game. Yeah, just got to go do it. And it's going to be equal opportunity. Listen, it's a new offense, new coordinator, some position coach changes. Go earn it. Go take it on the field in winter, in March, excuse me, in in spring ball. And then, of course, in in summer and and summer camp there to get ready for this season. It's going to be fun to see. I think we're going to see some great 
competition from the Wolfpack and really, you know, the best emerge. Competition is the best thing to breed that greatness there. Jeff, we've covered every aspect of this team. Uh, we, we've looked at it from a bunch of different angles. With all that said, there's there's a couple of big question marks, but I think that we like what the answers could be, and we feel good about what it could look like. So with that being said, man, expectations for 23, lay them out there for us. What, what can we come to expect for this NC State Wolfpack team? The great unknown. If you remember back <laughs> to 2000, the 2019, that was the, the year that NC State – Horrible year around here. Coach Coach Doran made five staff changes after that. All right? Went back and rededicated to some fundamentals that he felt like had been missing. I think we'll see something similar this year. I think the two coaching changes were coaches' departures, not coaches' decision to make right. a change. Right. Tim Beck wanted to be a head coach. He's at Coastal. John Garrison, the offensive line coach, has rejoined to work uh, down at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. He worked with him for one year. So, I I don't think Coach Doran could have made two better hires. Right. Yeah. When you're talking about replacing offensive coordinator and your offensive line coach, and bringing in Coach and I and Coach Two J, who have worked so well together. And the other part too, he didn't lose Tony Gibson. Right. He's signing <laughs> to a big fat contract <laughs> and kept him here. Uh, that guy is as good a defensive coach as there is in the country, yes. is a great motivator and loves playing, loves his kids. I think we saw that in, in one tweet to Isaiah Moore at the end of the year when he called him the greatest leader he's ever coached. The last three words that he wrote on the tweet, I love you. Yep. That's a coach that really loves his players and it's reciprocated to back to them. So I'm anxious to see. I think there is so much unknown mm-hmm. that we've just covered. I wouldn't put a number on what the expectations would be. Fair. I tell you what, though, I think the expectation is continue. You know, nine wins, nine wins, eight wins. They always talk about that 10-win season. Yeah. Is that a possibility next year? Who knows? I think there's so many unanswered questions that spring is going to be an incredible time here at NC State to see what unfolds or not see what unfolds from a standpoint. I'm sure they'll be very close to the vest. That's right. That's not right. going to tell anybody anything. They won't. We're not going to name a starting quarterback. No, we no. won't know. We won't know until the Saturday of their first game who their starting That's quarterback right. is. I would guarantee. Right. <laughs> well, we can't wait, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like you said, the, the the great unknown there. And you know, just looking at these guys, the leadership that they brought in, the leadership they already have, and just knowing Coach Doran and and how much he loves those guys, and just how smart of a football coach he is. I, I know there's a lot of excitement for this year, man. So we'll see. But, hey, we appreciate your time. This was awesome jumping into the Wolfpack and uh, really appreciate your insight with a lot of these different topics here. Emac Kelly, it was a pleasure to be with you. And, by the way, Kelly, Emac was a good basketball player at Jack Britt High School. Oh, trust me. He knows. Uh, he covered me, uh, baby. Let's go. Mac and I used to run the Clemson Rec Center on, on the court, so That's I'm right. aware. He, right. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't bang inside enough. Like, he wouldn't just let me shoot the threes. Go oh. rebound, Mac. Come on, you're huge. Go rebound. (laughs) You guys have a great one. We appreciate all you do for the ACC. Thanks again to Jeff for joining us. I really appreciated his insight. And, you know, we were able to kind of speculate some, even though no one really knows anything about what's going to happen at the quarterback position with Anai coming in and Brennan Armstrong, MJ Morris, all these types of things. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens at the QB spot. But I thought perhaps his best insight was when he was talking about the different wide receivers that he thinks are going to step up. 
That's how you can tell, you know, he's got that intimate knowledge of the program. And that's just going to be a big question with all these wide receivers gone. It may have been part of why Devin Leary decided to move on because he just wasn't sure who was going to step up, but there are young guys in the pipeline and and that's going to be a big part of NC state next year. Yeah, no, no question. A lot, a lot of question marks as we all kind of discussed there and what this team is looking like, but I like the potential answers. I, I really do. I think there's some key guys coming back. I think there's some key guys obviously coming in, especially looking at Brendan Armstrong, Coach and I, Coach Tujay there, the different things that they're going to be able to do for this offense. I also love that Jeff pointed out the run game and how it's been lacking yep. so poorly. I've been saying that for multiple years yeah, now. You, you've been on it. You've been on it. And I think it was just fascinating to see the breakdown. I didn't realize the touchdown breakdown yeah, of that crazy. a running back only had three touchdowns. Put a wild asterisk on that. A running back didn't score a touchdown after the UConn game, which was like week four. So that's a big time problem. That is something that is going to have to get fixed. If you want to win championships, if you want to win your not division anymore, if you want to play for an ACC championship, you've got to be able to run the football. You have to be able to maintain the game, control the game, and do things necessary you're going to do. We heard that from Duke. That's what they were able to do this year. And they won nine games this season. So I think there's no question that NC State going to put a big emphasis on that and certainly going to be a thing where you just have to do it. Even though you have a guy that threw for over 4,000 yards two years ago, you have to commit to that run game. You have to have something where people will respect that. It'll only open up the passing game even more. So I'm very intrigued to see this offense. And, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it at Virginia. We saw it at BYU a long time ago. We saw it at Syracuse. We know what it's going to look like. It's just who is filling in in these spots and who's going to ultimately be the guy leading the ship. No, I'm sure we, we think it's going to be Brendan Armstrong. We do. We do. But I, I do think it's an interesting situation there to monitor. And I, I don't know about MJ Morris and his mindset right now. I hope he stays because I, I do think he'll end up being a great quarterback at NC yeah. State. But that's the new world that we live in. And <laughs> Jeff brought this up, I think, off air. When you, when you think about the top 10 matchup between Clemson and NC State last year in Death Valley, Neither starting quarterback is returning even to the roster from that matchup last year. So that's pretty crazy. It's a different world, to say the least, KG. Mm -hmm. But, hey, you know, we're going to talk about it. There's things going on. We're going to keep sharing it. An awesome week, guys. So much fun to continue. ACC under review. we got a big week next week. Rolling with the Panthers, Wake Forest, Louisville. So another massive week. You're not going to want to miss any of those episodes. So that's it from us. Another great episode, Gramlick and Mac Lane. If you guys could go over to YouTube, if you're not watching us, if you are watching us, smash this subscribe button right here. We continue to appreciate your support and go over to Apple Podcasts as well. Rate, review, subscribe. Always fun to have y'all's feedback there. Uh, But until next time, we'll see y'all.